0: While taking truth into the arena of ideas, you are listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo as we enter into the arena of ideas. Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Uh, this is uh, Brian Chilton here with you on uh, Bellator Christian Ministries, uh, looking at, as we're continuing our study in the book of Hebrews, uh, we're in Hebrews chapter 4 uh, today, if you'd like to follow along. Uh, the title of our uh, series is Hebrews, the Supremacy of Jesus. And we've already talked about, uh, all thus far, we talked about the the, who wrote the book? We've already talked about uh, uh, Jesus as He is our supreme high priest. We have spoken about how He is uh, uh, both uh, both God and and man. Uh, you know, and uh, just just how He's better than the angels. How's he? How He's better than the prophets. He's the ultimate high priest. Today, we're going to see how He is the ultimate, or He how He is the uh, the supreme physician. Jesus is uh, able to heal uh, more than anyone else ever could. And so we're going to take a look at uh, this rest. That Jesus gives us and it's a rest that uh, no one else uh, can provide and so we'll take a look at this as we go through our message today or our lesson today before we do let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer dear kind of gracious heavenly father we thank you for this day that you've given us uh, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word we just pray Lord as uh Today, I'm not as prepared as I normally am for the study. Uh, We just do pray that you would be with us and guide us as we go through this study, uh, that you provide the words that need to be said. And we thank you for your blessings upon us, and we ask uh, you to guide us through this study today. And we thank you that you are the great physician. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So Hebrews chapter four is where we're at. If you'd like to uh, follow along with us, uh, we're talking about uh, Jesus, the supreme physician. And we're going to look at three different things uh, in the study tonight. We're going to first of all look at uh, the supreme rest we find in Jesus you know we live in a very uh, an anxious world tumultuous time in our world uh, things are very chaotic in in these times uh, but we still can find perfect rest In and through Jesus Christ. Uh, He he can provide us that rest like no one else can. Secondly, we see that Jesus gives a superior diagnosis. And we see this in verses 11 through 13. Jesus can diagnose the problems that we have better than anyone else ever could. And so we're going to look at that as we go through. And then thirdly, we'll see Jesus as he gives superior grace and mercy uh, to us. And so uh, we'll see that as well. And then... um, so first of all, as we uh, as we open up, Hebrews has been focused on the superiority of Jesus, as we've been talking about thus far. Uh, Jesus is superior in every single way. We've already seen how Jesus is superior to the law of Moses. We see how He is superior to the prophets. How He is superior even to the angels, uh, and and we see that how chapter four moves into this aspect and this understanding and about how Jesus is the great physician. Jesus deals with the, uh, the chapter four deals with the ability of Jesus to be greater, Uh, than any physician ever could be as he can diagnose the problems we have in life, he can treat the problems we have, and even heal better than any uh, doctor or psychologist or or anyone uh, in health and medicine ever could. Jesus is the great physician because he is, he can can provide life eternally for us and he can provide healing uh, that no one else ever could be or ever could do. And so as we go through the lesson today, look for God's desire to save all—I truly believe that God desires to save everyone, uh, but the human resistance to God's will is what leads to that. Uh, this uh, this this resistance leads to rebellion. And so I think, personally, I think that's the way it works. And different people have different perspectives in how they approach this issue. Uh, But look for the power of God's word and Jesus' ability to diagnose our problems better than everyone else could. Here's the thing we have to understand. Jesus knows you better than anyone else ever could. He knows you even better than you know yourself. So he can diagnose your problems. He can see the things you're struggling with. And then look for how Jesus, his sympathy towards us and how he can help us face any problem that we may face in life. So uh, first of all, let's take a look at the supreme rest. We find in Jesus, and so we see in verses one and two a claimed rest. Verse four says, "Therefore, since the promise." Now he goes back to this earlier uh, notion in chapter three, talking about entering the rest of God, entering entering this rest. He says, "says therefore the." the uh, promise to enter his rest remains. Jesus wants us to have peace in life. He wants us to have peace in life. Uh, we enter his rema- rest r- remains. Let us, us be beware that none of you should be, have, uh, be found to have fallen short. For we also have received the good news just as they did. Uh, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. So, verses... uh one and two. Uh first of all we read therefore connects back to the previous chapter, and the previous chapter spoke of the rest, uh, referring to the experience of salvation dependent on God's work. Uh and two things stand out in this passage of scripture. One, there's a typology between Joshua and the Israelites uh, with Jesus and Christians. And secondly, people's failure did not nullify the validity of God's promises. And I've heard people say, we have to remind people of God's promise. Well, as if He God forgot. Uh, God doesn't forget his promises. Uh, he, he remembers the promises that he makes to us, and he fulfills those promises that he makes to us. And then, so secondly, we see in verse 2, good news or gospel, notice he says, for we also receive the good news or the gospel. Uh, this refers to God's positive message given to his people. We are recipients of this good news. So his promise to refugees to enter the promised land is on one hand the gospel promises individuals to enter the eternal rest of God and this is not something we have to wait until we pass to enter if you are a child of God and if you have received Christ's salvation then you can enter the the promised rest of God now even now you can have that peace uh, that comes from God the gospel promises individuals to enter God's promised land and so the problem is that they never they never heard the message, they're not act on it. The faith is a personal trust and the object of our faith is in Jesus Christ. So it's not enough to hear and believe the facts about Jesus. You have to trust in Jesus. So you can say all day long, well I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Well, well and good. The demons believe that, but you have to trust yourself. You have to trust in Jesus. Uh, that's what you need to do and so and so we see in verses three through five a pattern rest three through five says for we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said so i swore in my anger they will not enter my rest even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way and on the seventh day god rested from all of his works Again, in that passage, he says, "They will never enter my rest." So we, in verse three, associates the writer with the Christian community, who have believed and joins with those who believe. Enter the rest describes the peace that comes from God's salvation. He quotes Psalm ninety-five, eleven, giving the argument that uh, compares the Israelites to those who've heard the gospel. Through his works have been finished since the foundation of the world, addresses God's rest after creation. And this rest does not indicate inactivity as such, but it means that God entered a time of rest. And then verses 4 and 5 uh, gives two quotations pertaining to God's rest. One, Genesis 2, 2, indicates the rest that God took after creation. Secondly, he quotes from Psalm 95:11, indicating that the lack of faith and trust results in a lack of a person finding rest. God's peace will lead to a perfect transformation. So in verses 6 through 10, we see a remained rest. And in verses 6 through 10 says this, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day. Today, he has specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. For a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. Okay, uh, for this person who has entered his rest has rested from all of his works just as God did from his. So, verses 6 through 7, uh, the, another therefore, anytime you see the word therefore, you need to stop and see what the word is therefore. Therefore connects back to the previous points of God's rest, even still. God's rest remains for some to enter it, indicates three things. God intends for people to enter into His rest. God intends for you to be able to have peace in life through the rest that He provides. Secondly, the first generation stumbled because of unbelief. It shouldn't have taken them forty years to enter the promised land, but it, they did because they didn't trust God. It took them forty years when it should have only taken them a few months. It took them a few it took them forty years because of their lack of belief. Third, God's invitation to rest is still open by the word today. So God invites you into his rest even today. And verse 8 combats possible objection that if people did not find rest in the promise given through Joshua, would they find it now? God is the one who offers the rest. It was the people who refused to take it. And that's something we need to remember. And verses 9 through 10. An additional answer is given, therefore connects back to the objection and answer Sabbath rest is the peace that comes by trusting in Christ and this refers back to the seventh day rest that God has uh, that he took from 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 creation again that doesn't mean that he became inactive by any, any sense of the term because if God took his hands off of creation. Everything would fly apart at the seams, nothing would exist. It, it not only is it important for God to have created everything, it is important for God to sustain everything for anything to exist. So, verse 10 notes that a person can find rest just as God did, and again, there's a great comfort that's found in God's rest, and you can enter that rest today if you simply trust in Christ. So, um God desires for people to enter his rest, and that's something we need to remember. And, and God desires for you to have rest in life, for you to have peace in life, but that can only come by entrusting your life to him. And I think this is just a foretaste. The peace we have from God now is just a foretaste of the peace that we'll have in eternity with him. So second, the second section, verses 11 through 13, talks about Jesus' superior diagnosis. Here is Jesus' diagnosis uh, in verses 11 through 13. He says, uh, Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Things happen and operate in patterns. Uh, you know, the things we, we see today, they're not new. It's not new at all. I mean, this is a repeating pattern we've seen throughout all of history. History, in many ways, repeats itself. I mean, we make the same mistakes today that people made in years past. Uh, We've gone through situations in times past just like what we're enduring now. I mean... The faces may be different. The names may be different. The societies may be different. But people don't change. I mean, the sin problem of yesteryear is the same sin problem of today. The same redemption found in Christ yesteryear is the same redemption found in Christ even today. Okay? So here's his diagnosis in verse 12. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation from soul and spirit, joints and marrow, It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There is no hiding from God. (laughs) You just can't. No matter where you go, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, God knows it all. Everything is open and naked before God. There is no hiding from God. Okay, and now this can be a, this can be intimidating for some, but this can be a, a great blessing for others, depending on how we view this. If we understand that God knows all there is to know, and that there's no hiding from God, uh, there's no need to lie to God because God knows it all anyhow. Amen. God knows it all anyhow. So, uh, in verse eleven, uh, we see that the Hebrews charge the Hebrews charges that a person should make every effort to enter that rest. If you don't have peace today, make every effort to enter the rest of Christ. And it only comes, first and foremost, by having salvation in Jesus. And then once you enter that rest, you can maintain that rest by consistently seeking out the Lord and, 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 and trusting yourself to Him. Um, the Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. And, and that's the thing, the thing we need to, um, Remember, someone may say, but isn't the work of salvation the work of God's grace and not human efforts? How then does that one make an effort to enter God's grace? It's all about our response. How are we responding to the grace of God? Are we positively responding to God's grace when it's freely offered to us? And then the second objection, someone may ask, but doesn't this make salvation a human work? Absolutely not. God is the one who offers salvation. He is the one who provides salvation. Uh, we just have the ability to respond or reject God's grace when afforded to us. In verse 12, this verse explains the warning given, verse 11. God's message is alive and active, and he uses four descriptions about God's word. He's Number one, God's word is living. And the reason this word is living, the reason this book is a living book is because the Spirit of God is it has endued, has inspired, has authored. He's the ultimate author of the book. And he has guided prophets, priests, kings, and apostles to write down the things that he wants to be said. Okay, so this is the revelation of God. God is the one who empowers this book. This book is not powerful in and of itself. This book is powerful because of, of the Holy Spirit who has endued this book with his power. So it's a living. It's effective. Secondly, it's effective. The Word of God is an effective book. Um, it, it, it reaches to the, the person's heart. God speaks to us through the words. It's penetrating, thirdly. It penetrates deeply into the soul and is able to bless us and benefit us uh, in ways that nothing else can. And then fourthly, the word of God is judging. We see that God sees all there is to see. Okay? God knows all there is to know. So why try to hide something from God when he knows it already? You see, that, that, that's, the, the, that's the, the craziness about rebellion or human rebellion against the Lord. We think that if we rebel against the Lord, God's not going to know something. He still knows it, though. You know, you can run from the Lord, but you can't hide from the Lord. You can pretend like the Lord doesn't know even your inner soul, but the Lord does. And that's what the Word of God says. All things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who, to whom we must give an account. And in reality, we worry so much about what other people think about us. But here's the thing. You don't have to give an account of your life to me. You don't have to give an account of your life to your pastor. You don't have to give an account of your life to a family member or anyone else. The one you ultimately, the one to whom you must give an account of your life is to God Almighty. So we are either on the right side of, we're either in a state of grace or in a state of judgment. And the choice, the decision, the response, I should say, is up to us. Are we going to respond to the grace of God or are we going to reject the grace of God given to us? In verse 13 we see, That uh, God knows all things to know, and so there's no way uh, to hide from him. It's kind of like the movie, if you think about the movie Thelma and Louise. You remember the end of that movie where they were uh, riding off a cliff, uh, riding to a cliff? They were stuck, and the police were behind them, and they had to make a choice. Were they going to go off the cliff or give themselves up? They decided to go off the cliff. Once they went off the cliff, there was a point of no return. They couldn't say, "Uh uh-oh, I made a mistake. Let me go back. The car was already midair by that time. Here's the reality. You know, we are living in a state of grace now, and God has given us the opportunity to respond to his grace right now. But here's the thing. Once you pass into eternity, the opportunity to respond to God's grace is over. So make sure that you know that you know that you know that you're born again before you pass through the passage of, to, into eternity. So uh, everyone's going to stand before God and give an account of their lives to God. So that's something we need to remember. But God has offered grace to anyone who will receive. Now, lastly, we see that Jesus is—we uh, uh, see Jesus' is superior grace and mercy in verses fourteen through sixteen. So, verse fourteen says this. Excuse me. Uh, 14 through 16 says this, therefore, again, therefore, need to stop and see what's therefore. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus is a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. We see Jesus is a great high priest. He passed through the heavens, which means that he died, buried, was resurrected, and ascended into heaven, as only Jesus could, from which he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Uh, He's going to return from the heavens, but now he is at the right hand of God, giving intercession for our sins. So we we see Jesus is the ultimate high priest, so we as believers must hold fast to our confession. And verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to go through the things that you're going through. Jesus was tempted in every single way that you were tempted. You see, our temptation doesn't make us bad people. You know, we're all tempted to do things. We're all tempted to do this or that. We're all tempted in some form or fashion. And different people, uh, different things tempt different people more than they do other people. Jesus was tempted just as you were and just as you are. But the difference is, is that he never sinned. That's why Jesus can sympathize with you greater than anyone else ever could. Jesus knows what it's like to go through the things that you're going through because he's been there. Not only is he God come in flesh, but he's been there if if you've been rejected well, you know what jesus has been rejected if you've been uh, if you've been abused in some sort i mean he was left hanging on a cross beaten within an inch of his life before even being placed on the cross maybe you've been betrayed uh, maybe you're going through some type of ordeal in life and you don't you know jesus has been there he can identify with us more than anyone else ever could and so but here's the thing to remember jesus was without sin That's the big difference. So he is the sinless high priest who uh, atones our sins and speaks on our behalf. And I'm glad to know that I've got a Savior like Jesus speaking out on my behalf. Uh, to the heavenly father. What a great news that is. So verse 16, with all of this information, Jesus being the great physician, with him passing through the heavens, with him being our great high priest, speaking on our behalf to the father, uh, who is the great, he is the great mediator. With all of this, you know what he says in verse 16? Therefore, again, connecting back to what he just said. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Four things come to mind in this passage of scripture and we'll close. One, we must approach the throne of God. We have the ability now we have the ability that we didn't have in times past. We have the ability to approach the very throne of God. When you pray, because of the work of Christ done for you on your behalf, when you pray, this means that your words are going to the very throne room of God. That's an amazing thing to consider. From your mouth to God's ears, God hears your prayers. So you're not speaking mindless words you're speaking words that God hears. So we should be people of prayer. We should uh we should believe in the power of prayer uh, because prayer changes things. Number two, we must come to the throne of grace. This is a throne of grace. God's grace has given you the opportunity to approach his throne. Okay. We must come to the throne of grace. Thirdly, we must come to God's throne with an attitude of confidence. Not that we're cocky, not that we're, we're, uh, not that we're bold in ourselves, but we come to God with the understanding and the boldness and understanding what Christ has done for us in life and the atonings, uh, that He has made for us through the shed blood of Christ on the cross. It's not boldness in ourselves. It's boldness in knowing what Christ has done. And that comes, <laughs> Excuse me, that comes from a powerful faith. And then fourthly, we come to God's throne with confidence to receive mercy and to find grace. Many people don't come to God because they think of something they've done in times past, and they believe that God will never receive me because of something I've done in the past. That God will never receive me because of 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 what I used to be. Well, you know what? Here's the thing you need to remember. You don't save yourself. God saves you, and God wants to save you. God wants to change you. God wants to transform you. So it's not about what you've done. The wonderful news is it's all about what Christ has done. Because of what Christ has done on the cross, you have now the ability to approach the throne of God with boldness. And that's the amazing thing to consider. So in that, we find mercy. And we we find grace, and what amazing grace that is! So Jesus knows our problem. You see, our problem—the problem in our nation—is that it's a sin problem. It's not new. It's a sin problem. We have a sin problem in our lives. We have a sin problem in our culture. Our problem is not political; it's spiritual. That's what our problem is. We have a spiritual problem, which is a sin problem. So Jesus has already diagnosed the problem. The great physician already knows what ails us. And he has already offered the cure found in his salvation. And when you come to Christ, you receive his salvation, the Holy Spirit fills you. And I'm going to tell you what, the Holy Spirit is an amazing, is amazing friend. He'll come in and he'll fill he'll us, he'll guide us, he'll direct us in the ways we need to go. So we are blessed. We are honored we're highly favored, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. So let me leave you with this. God invites us all to experience his rest, but some do not because of rebelling against God's word. Secondly, everyone will eventually stand before God. You're going to stand before God one day. The question is, are you going to stand before God in, in, a, in, a, in the, uh, being in in grace under the shed blood of Christ or are you going to stand before God in facing full judgment for what you've done in life? So, thirdly, Jesus is able to diagnose our needs, like no one else can, because of the power of His Word. And then, lastly, Christians can experience God's rest both now and for eternity. You don't have to wait until get to heaven to experience it to experience His rest, because God through the Holy Spirit can give you that rest today, if you simply believe and trust in Him, and uh, I think that's an amazing thing to consider. So coming up next week in uh, in, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Jesus being the supreme high priest. We've seen how he is the supreme physician. We've seen how he is the supreme high priest, how he's superior to angels. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, how he is the supreme high priest. I think I said high priest a while ago. I meant to say prophet. Uh, anyhow, so we're seeing as we go through the book of Hebrews how Jesus is superior in every single way. So let's close with a word of prayer. Dear kind and gracious heavenly father, we again thank you for this time that you've given us. We pray, Lord, that you bless over and keep every person uh, who may be watching with us live or those who may come back and access these resources later. Uh, Have your will and your way in their lives. Bless over them and keep them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to take a look. If you have any questions about the message, uh, the lesson tonight, or any uh, questions whatsoever, I'll give you an opportunity. uh I'll give you just a few moments to ask those questions on Facebook or on uh, YouTube. And if we don't have any in the next few minutes, we'll go ahead and close. So I'll give you just a minute or two to take a look. Seen any So with that in mind We're going to go ahead and uh, log off Uh, Again this is uh, Brian Shelton here with Bellator Christian Ministries As we're going through the book of Hebrews Uh, We pray God's blessings be upon you And we'll see you back Listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristi.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christi Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast and BellatorChristi.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Do you have a question about the Bible, theology, or apologetics that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable asking? If so, we want to encourage you to head over to bellatorchristi.com and submit your question on the Submit a Question link. Your question will be reviewed and may be featured on a future article or podcast. Remember, the only dumb question is the one unasked. So go over to bellatorchristi.com now and submit your question. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today.